Welcome to the World of Wishes podcast. I'm McWish Southern Florida's Chief Operating Officer, Richard Kelly. Before I get to today's guest, I want to answer a question we frequently get, and that is, how do wish children ultimately choose their wish? Well, we invite wish kids to think big and use every ounce of their imagination to choose a wish. Specially trained volunteers, we call wish granters, help walk the child through deciding where they would like to go, what they would like to have, what they want to be, or who they would like to meet. Then they work together to narrow the choices until they get to the child's true heartfelt wish. Then we do everything in our power to make that wish happen. Our guest today, former wish kid Katarina Allshire, chose to meet a celebrity and challenged us to grant her wish to meet Cher. We were up for the challenge and granted her wish and she told us that the nerves of meeting a celebrity like Cher back when she was only seven years old has helped her overcome nerves and fear in all situations even to this day. In honor of Cher's birthday on May 20th, we present this latest episode of World of Wishes podcast and welcome Katarina. And today we have Katarina Allshire, uh, a wish alumni, a wish adult, uh, who is going to talk about her journey and talk about uh, you know her wish experience and who she is and and hopefully inspire you uh, to uh, to be a part of this uh, make wish experience and and help other kids like Katarina. Katarina, welcome and thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. And uh, so um, because this is a podcast and this is not video, uh, you should know that Katarina is an adult. You're 25 <laughs> years old now, yes. right? And um, so tell us a little bit about you and your your journey, your medical journey. Mm-hmm. I know it started awfully young for you and mm-hmm. your medical challenges. So can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so <laughs> to summarize a little bit, um, the condition I was born with, so to speak, is technically called Vatter syndrome, and it's actually an acronym. And so different parts of it, I... I'm terrible at remembering the whole acronym, the whole acronym, but basically the parts of it that are relevant to me generally are all respiratory. So my whole life was always respiratory challenged, and it was always an interesting dichotomy because you always had the Katerina that was on paper, and this is what the doctors would tell you, not even just me. There was always the Katerina on paper, lab values and whatnot. And then there was the Katerina, the person, the child, the active girl that loves sports. And so whatever respiratory challenges I was always in and out of and grew up with, I was always more than that. And so it was always an interesting, an interesting growing up with that. And you had these challenges from birth, is from, that correct? Yes, from birth. And so I've never really known any different. It wasn't like it was a significant event where it just happened. I was just born with it. And from a couple of days old, it was my first you know, surgery. And they could only do so much because I was such a small baby. I was a preemie baby on top of that. And so that just added to everybody's challenges not just my own and just in and out of hospitals in and out of just reconstructive surgery trying to make my inside more so to speak my airway and whatnot as normal as possible to give me the best functioning life how was that a a challenge to you in in, uh, throughout your childhood not Mm -hmm. just from when you were 
a preemie and a, and a teeny baby. Yeah. But how did how did that affect your life throughout your childhood? You know, let's say from when you were born to when you were ten years old or so. I mean, I would even extend it up to like fifteen, really, because you know I was always on routine breathing treatments, respiratory therapists, you know, all of that, and it was always a restricted. How do I say it was restricted airway? Not it wasn't always your normal airway. So the airflow that you would normally get to yours, where your breathing's fine. You know, I was more so uh, out of breath, easier. You know, which was challenged with sports, but it never kept me out of sports. You know, so it was an everyday challenge of these are my quote unquote limitations, me right now, but I still love baseball. I still love basketball. I can't run as fast or keep up on the basketball court, but I'm still gonna play. You know, so that was always, it was a challenge, but it was just something I just lived with and just dealt with on my own terms, so to speak. And you didn't know any better? Um... No, I've never known any better. And until, you know, you grow, and luckily for me, I grew healthier. And I always stayed active. To this day, I'm still active. And I'm active in the gym, which helps for me, but it also helps my my active self. And so I think just being myself and who I am naturally, who is an active person, it just naturally helped my progression throughout my life to where you know, my checkups went from a couple times a year to once a year to every couple of years. And so that was that alone tells you the progress that and the confidence that my doctors have had in me. Where do you draw that strength from, you know, when you were I mean into <clears throat> your adulthood, but as a kid to deal with that, you know, to deal with those those challenges and just say I'm going to be a normal kid. Where where does that strength come from? I think my environment in terms of being the only girl in the family for a long time up until I was 13. I grew up with my brother and my two cousins that are like my brothers. And I was always naturally active, always into basketball, into sports. But then you add the environment of growing up with boys. I think that just naturally forces me to be up with them. And I always had, you know, all my friends were always guys. I was always playing with the boys in sports. So I think just naturally my environment forced me to be stronger than I already was. And it just never kept me out of anything. So let's get to the good stuff. So, you know, you're about seven years old and you get introduced to Make-A-Wish. And Mm -hmm. you you have volunteers that come to your house and Mm -hmm. say, okay, you can wish for anything in the world. So walk me through that process on, on you know, what that was like for you as a seven-year-old kid and then what you eventually decided to, that your wish was going to be. I think I didn't really know what you guys meant by I can wish for anything. So I think my first couple wishes were very basic. And I do remember my dad, like, I think one of, the, one of my, you know, spitballs was a new bedroom or a bedroom makeover and my dad looks at me he's like you could wish for anything like I can you know make over your room if you want go go bigger so I think 
without me realizing my parents were pushing me to really take advantage of what this opportunity was. And I guess my imagination wasn't too far. And I guess I just, I, I can't tell you the exact words, but I guess I just said share. And I, she was my first concert when I was five. And by the time I wish came around, I was almost eight. It was around this time of year. And so right now I'm 25, almost 26 in March. So this December wish, I was like almost eight. And so by then I was a big fan of Cher. And it's funny, the, the farewell tour CD, that, that tour lasted from my first concert to my wish, a whole two year span. Um, the CD actually covers like decades of her music. And so I love Cher through the decades without realizing it. And so when I wished for it, I was a huge fan. I, up until nine, had my hair as long as she did. And so by my wish, around there, my hair was, you know, almost half, way down my back. And so I was, I was the full share fan package. That it wasn't too far. And I guess I just felt like putting you guys to the test. <laughs> and you did. And I guess we delivered. But so talk, tell me about the, the concert experience. So mm -hmm. um, you got to meet Cher and, you know, it's, it's just you you can walk me through all of that, you know, yeah. all, all of that, you know, the day of the concert experience. What was that like? Well, you guys did a really amazing job in making a whole weekend for my family. And mind you, I'm seven at this point. My brother's four. <laughs> and we're getting to roll around in a stretch limo. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. We were like, we, we, our parents were right there, but we felt like we were unsupervised. You know, we were just roaming around the limo. What can we touch? What can't we touch? So that, that before anything was super fun. But I think it was all fun and games. I didn't realize what I was really getting into. And then, we, you know, we're at a concert. I'd been to a concert before. Cool, we're front row. And mind you, you have this family with this little two kids because my brother was there two kids in the front row and you have all these adults behind me and all of a sudden they're ushering us to go backstage and they're i can kind of side eye see people like what's going on they're curious and i'm kind of just going through the motions and i guess i watched the tour dvd before the, this before my wish and so i recognized members of you know like her backup singers her band my mom was talking to the guitarist she loves playing guitar and i'm like stop embarrassing me um and i was just kind of very anxious and we're just standing outside the dressing room and all i'm doing is just staring at that door scared like i've never been scared all this anxiety and nerves rushing through me and my dad calmed me down because i was i started to cry <laughs> out of nerves and I think I just, after that, went stone cold. Because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go through the motions. I can't even describe what I'm feeling. I'm just going to go through these motions. The door opens, and we just walk through. And I'm just very kind of quiet. I'm looking around the corner because the way the dressing room was, it was this big space, but the, around the corner was where the hallway was. And so I kept as nervous as I was, and I'm like, I don't know what's about to happen. Like, I know, but, you know, you're, the anticipation is just like, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm looking around the corner, kind of peeking where she is, if she's coming down the hall now. And all of a sudden, she just whips around the corner, and she's just standing in front of me. 
and I'm looking at her, and I have to muster up every nerve and fiber in my body to say hi, share. And those magical words of hi, share is was very weird, weird words because <laughs> you're saying hi, share to share. That's like one of the weirdest things any human being could possibly do. But she was the warmest, sweetest human being anybody could be lucky to meet. And she got down on her knees, eye level with me. We have a whole album of pictures. And when she went eye level with me to answer every one of my silly questions I had on that piece of paper. And she was very patient. I'm You can see in the pictures, like I'm just staring at my like holding my two hands with my paper staring at her looking at my picture like not knowing what to do with myself but making the most of that moment and she was very calm very relaxed with me very warm and sweet and at one point her security or management whatever started kind of like trying to rush her like you kind of have a whole show to do and she's shooing them away like no she this girl has my undivided attention to answer every silly question I had. And through that, I remember looking at him after she shooed him away, and that actually relaxed me. Because I was still nervous, obviously, but it kind of just relaxed me, knowing when she wanted me there, that I wasn't this like little burden on her. Um, and two, she was very attentive to what I was saying, regardless what that was. And she was very sweet. I was a little stubborn, not wanting to put earplugs on. She was telling me to put my earplugs on. And then we took our pictures. And we took our family pictures, but we took pictures just her and I. Until this day, my dad blew up a big shot of me and Cher, where we were side by side. Not just the in-front picture, but the side by side. And I kid you not, I look at that every day. Because it's in our hallway. And I still look at that every single day, and I smile about it. Because the older I've gotten, the more Cher feels like a friend and now at my age a wing woman and it's just yeah it's just an incredible experience that almost 20 years later I still remember every detail every emotion just talking about that I'm getting like that little bit of anxiousness again uh what what kind of questions do you remember a couple of those silly questions that you had I only remember it because I only found my make-a-wish folder not too long ago now I keep it like on my desk one of them was, um, do you ever get nervous? Ironic question. Like, I, uh, do you ever get nervous when you're on stage? Did anybody make fun of you when you started singing? <laughs> um, what, probably I think one of them was, what was your biggest dream or something like that? Um, but yeah, there, there was a whole list. <laughs> there was a whole list. And you, and you walked by that picture... <laughs> You walk, but you say you walk by that picture every day, and yeah. you remember. Do you? Are there specific things about that experience that you remember besides the backstage meeting, um, or is it just the whole thing? I mean, what what does what emotions or what memories looking at that picture bring back in you? I think two significant things. The one thing I said earlier about the nerves and having a seven-year-old having to push through nerves that she's never felt to get to what she wanted to do, whatever that goal was. That was instilled in me through that experience at seven years old. But then once we're going back to our seats, I was 
pulling my dad. I remember this part. I was pulling my dad. I had this adrenaline rush at me. Like, oh my gosh, this has happened. I just did that. She was just there. And now she's going to go up, you know, get ready for the stage. And now I'm going to, come on, go on, go on. Like, I'm just yanking my dad, pulling him across the ramp to get back to her seats before the show started. And I just remember all this adrenaline going through my body after the fact. So when you give that experience of, you know, seven years old, you're pushing through nerves to get through what you want to get through. And then on the other side of that is this adrenaline rush of emotions that you did something that you were just, that you pushed through nerves about. I've used that every day. I've used that to meet other celebrities, you know, take, you know, capitalize on other opportunities. And just the person I am today is because I know how to push through nerves to do what I want to do regardless what that is. I'm, you know, an adrenaline junkie. I love, you know, the rush of zip lining, bungee jumping. I love all jet skis. I love all of that. And pushing through nerves to get to jump, you know, to go bungee jumping or to do, you know, crazy fun stuff. I have those tools to do because of this one experience that was so defining and significant in my life so it's pretty apparent that you know that the wish changed your life in a significant way just to just for the sheer confidence of it and and the and the the confidence that you can push through any anxiety that anxiety starts as it starts as anxiety it ends up with adrenaline and and courage and strength exactly yeah it's exactly it yeah so uh that wish was 18 years ago. 18 years. And you still remember very specific things about it. You have a picture of a make-wish folder. So I want to ask you about impact because we hear wish kids all the time when people associated with wishes tell us how the wishes have impacted their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would be the short answer of how that wish has impacted your life? <laughs> the short answer is you gave that naive seven-year-old girl such, I'm not going to say false confidence, but unique confidence that no matter what is going on in my head to want to do, no matter how crazy it may seem to the outside world, I met Cher. How much more crazy do you get than that? And so anything that I ever think of or dream of or have ambition to do, it's not impossible. And I had that instilled in me at seven years old from this one experience with this one woman who I feel like she's a friend. And I always joke two things. One, what would Cher do in certain situations? And mostly, man, Cher would be proud. To know that seven-year-old girl is this very confident, you know, fun-loving, fun woman that thinks of her as her wing woman she would get a kick out of that. And I think she would uh, just enjoy the fact that she was a part of that and just to be a part of it. She feels like a friend. And so that this very confident person that I've grown into is because of her and that experience. Now, you know, I got lucky. That experience could have been anything. She didn't have to be this warm, loving, genuine, heartfelt person she was but that's just who she is 
And I was just very lucky that I got to experience that and carry that with me every day of my life. So uh, what are you doing with your life now? So I've actually started my own company for a few years now. It's called Devourer Sweets. It's a exclusively brownie company where we host, we have over 15 flavors. We actually cater regular gluten-free and vegan. So we try to take care of all the sweets. And it's slowly grown year over year. It was more exposure, more events. You know, I was a part of Miami Swim Week this past summer, along with doing a friend's wedding that I catered for. So it's just a very fun part of my life now that's just full of the full of the unexpected and the impossible. And it's just a lot of fun right now. Uh, plug the company. Tell us how we can get to uh, get to you know your your treats and your yeah. brownies and your red velvet and all of the all of the <laughs> things that you create. Tell us how we can do that. So you can choose to go to our website, devoursweets.us, or you can follow us on Facebook at Devour Sweets, Instagram, devour.sweets. Um, and my personal Instagram is always the easiest way to reach me. Uh, Katya Red, K-A-T-Y-A Red, and you'll probably see the brownie page in the bio of my of my page. Well, we do want our listeners and and uh, supporters to support you um, because it's important, and uh, we really do appreciate you being with us to sharing your story. It's just an amazing story of strength and something you've come from. Yeah, these challenges that you had as a baby mm-hmm. to this you know, successful, I'll say it, you didn't say of a successful woman who's, Mm -hmm. you know, just full of energy and full of passion. And and we're proud of uh, being a part of that. We're proud that Make-A-Wish is able to be a part of that. And really just does display the impact that a wish can have, Mm -hmm. you know, that and how a wish can change a child's life. So we do appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Katarina. And thank you for listening to the World of Wishes podcast produced by Make-A-Wish Southern Florida. Please help support this podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to our archive shows at worldofwishespodcast.org. To learn more about making wishes come true, visit us at wish.org slash SFLA.